Good morning. It is so awesome to be here. It is especially awesome for us because uh, as we were headed to Brazil, we uh, had an unexpected surprise and the plane got an hour and a half toward Brazil and the captain came on and said, uh, folks, we hate to inconvenience you, but we're gonna have to turn back to Atlanta. We have a mechanical issue. And so uh, Don and I, we had full peace, but uh, there were obviously others on the plane who weren't so peaceful. Uh, because they all erupted into applause when, when the captain set us down nice and easy. But we got the, the uh, firefighters chasing us down the runway and all the lights and all of that and at midnight, and it was fun. It was, as Pamela Maxwell s s would say, it's a venture. We went on a venture. And so we just had to laugh about it. But it, it brings it back into focus that we really are awfully blessed when we get to come and be with with our family here it is tremendous and we we love you guys so much and uh, so we're we're gonna proceed on from there father we just thank you for every way that you provide for everything that you bring for everything that you take we give to you willingly and joyously and I just ask Lord that your your word be brought forth that it flow from your throne through all of us to each other through the words that are shared the ideas that that come to our minds and the attitudes of our hearts that you will bring to us open our eyes open our ears help us to see you ever more clearly in Jesus' name and for his glory, amen and amen. I, I love the fact that Holy Spirit is sneaky. Have you ever heard him referred to as Holy Spirit sneaky? Because <laughs> he's had a theme running this morning. Have you noticed that? He's had a theme running, and it fits in beautifully with what he put on my heart to share. And he put that on my heart to share. This began about three months ago as, uh, as I was reading some of the scriptures and, uh, you know, we, we all are familiar with the scriptures when trials and tribulations come, count it all joy. It doesn't say if they come, it says when they come, count it all joy. And it made me wonder, how do you count something that hurts as a reason to rejoice? This is clearly what the scriptures say, but how do we do that? And so I began to look at that and I began to see what Jesus did uh, in the midst of that, and, uh, and then I began to try and look at submission, and is our suffering and the length of that and the depth of that, is that related to our submission? And I thought, Lord, I've never thought of that before. Could that possibly be related? And then it went from submission to surrender. And I thought, is there really a correlation between our suffering, our submission, and our surrender? And, and you know, it, it just kept rolling in the back of my mind. And, and I even dreamed one night that I was preaching about this. And so I had to, to say, okay, Lord, I give. I give. Preaching is not one of my favorite things to do. I love to teach, but, but preaching not so much. But I'll gladly do it because he's asking me. And, and that's all that counts, is when he asks, are we willing? And so as I looked into it even more, uh, 
what I thought I would be teaching in the schools on suffering, and, and I've taught on suffering before, but I look at it a little differently now. Uh, I've even been criticized for teaching suffering because the, the church has this wonky view of suffering uh, in that when you come to Jesus, then all your troubles go away and you never have anything else come. And, well, that's not really what Scripture says, is it? Do you agree? Talk to me. Why? Why do we think that way? Well, by nature, none of us want to suffer. I mean, you, you, I, I, I'm a counselor, right? You need to come see me if you want to suffer because there's something a little bit off in you if you want to go through pain, right? It's not pleasant to go through some of the things that we have to go through. But is there anybody here today who has not gone through a trial, a tribulation, or some kind of suffering? Because if there is, I want to meet you and talk to you. Okay, we and, and a lot of times our attitude is more of, oh, well, I just have to go through this. I'll just put up with it, and somehow I'll survive until I can go meet with him face to face. Okay, I told him that once as I was in the midst of one of the darkest times of my life. I said, I know you did not die on that cross so that I would just survive. But if you don't help me, I can't do this. And that very next day, he sent me the help that he needed. He is so faithful. He is so good to us. And there is something, if we will allow the Lord to shift this perspective in us, that will bring him glory. And it will not just bring him glory, it will bring us peace. And it will not just bring us peace, it will bring peace to those around us. On that plane coming back, Don and I had great peace. We, we knew, we knew instinctively, Holy Spirit told us, it's going to be fine. And somebody remarked this, this morning, said, yeah, but that peace goes to all of those passengers around you. And it's so true. But we don't think of that while we're in the midst of, of suffering. So why do we have to suffer? This question often in the church goes completely unanswered. And it's, it's, it's not something that we are exactly going to volunteer for, okay? But it does not mean that we should not try to get a better perspective of it before we go through it, while we are going through it, and then after we go through it, so that we can help each other go through it, right? So a logical place to start with this, to see if there's a, a connection between suffering, submission, and surrender, is to define those things. So I want you to talk to me. I, this is the teacher in me. I'm a geek. I'm sorry, but I want to know what we're talking about. How would you define suffering? Say again. Really uncomfortable. How else would you define suffering? Pain. How else? Anybody else? Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Excellent. How else? Tears. Fear. All those are great answers. All those are great answers. Those are the results of our suffering, though. Okay? They are the results of our suffering. It's very real. 
and he's built within us the need, the want, the desire to do whatever it takes for that suffering to lessen, right? So that's very, very good. Um, pain, I think, is the central word that I... Did Jesus suffer while he was on that cross? Yeah. How did he endure that suffering? For the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? Us. Yeah. Have you ever personalized that? Martha, you were the joy set before him that helped him endure the cross. Isn't that good? Jason, your name is written on the palm of his hand, very close to the wound of his suffering. Isn't that an amazing place to be? Absolutely. Absolutely. So he could endure that great suffering, that pain, and he knew what was coming. Okay, they'd been crucifying people for quite a while, and that is far and away, I think, the, the most horrific method of death known to mankind, especially since it is inflicted upon you. It's not something that is an accident. It's not something you volunteer for. It was inflicted upon him, Catherine, for whose sake? For all of us, for all of us. But we were the joy set before him through which he could endure that suffering. So that pretty well defines suffering. How do you define submission? Don't quit on me now. How? Giving up your will, yielding, surrender. But are submission and surrender different? They're alike, but are they also different? Yeah. Submission is an act. The act of saying, here, I'm going to bring this to you to see what you will do with it, to see what you will say about this, and then I'm going to listen for your answer, right? I'm going to look for you to you for wisdom. So if I submit a resume, uh, Catherine, I want to come and sell real estate, and you say, I need you to submit a resume. Now, we've known each other for more years than I want to admit. Blessed years, blessed years. But it would only be natural for you to do that, right? But what am I doing as I submit that resume? I'm giving it. I'm giving it. Okay, it's an act. And then I'm leaving the decision for whether I come to work for her or not in her hands, right? So the, the, the church has always taken that word submission, and it's almost a dirty word, okay? None of us want to submit. I don't want to submit, you know, because it's sometimes been misused. But submission is actually a beautiful act of worship. When you are submitting to godly people in a godly way, it is a beautiful act of worship. That's why in, in Ephesians chapter 5, you know, and, and uh, that, those verses, you know, where it, it talks about the marriage begin with submit to one another, okay? Submission is an act, okay? So what is the difference between submission and surrender? Surrender is also yielding, right? But surrender is also a choice, it's to yield to the power or control of another 
in authority, these are in authority that I'm speaking of, of to someone or something that has an influence on you. Okay, so suffering, submission, and surrender. So those are our, our working definitions. You surrender your willingness to give away your submission, I'm submitting this to you to see what you would say. I'm yielding to your authority. The suffering that may come because you were willing to act and you chose to surrender. Okay? Where's the correlation? Well, let me, let me ask you. Jamie, as a physician, if a patient comes to you and you give them a list of things to do in order to get better from the disease you've just diagnosed, how good is all that advice if they won't take the medicine or, or go through the therapy? It won't help. It won't help. And, and I can tell you from a nursing standpoint that our patients who are willing to submit and surrender their treatment into our hands and actively participate in planning that treatment, Connie, wouldn't you say they almost always do better? Yeah, yeah, they do. They have hope, they have trust in you, they, they have what they need to walk through whatever it is that they walk through, okay? So there is this connection in this way, right? So, what about spiritually speaking? Because there are different kinds of suffering, okay? We're told in Romans 5, 3 through 5, if we can get that up on the board, please, that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. How many of you want endurance? I do. And endurance develops strength of character. How many want good character? And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. How many want that hope? Absolutely. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So what's the end, that very last word? What is the end of walking through all of that? His love, his love. Is it worth it what you have to go through to gain his love? Absolutely, because in his love is our life, okay? Love has a name, his name is Jesus. Faith has a name, his name is Jesus. Truth has a name, his name is Jesus. But we have to come to him before he can give those things to us. Okay, not because he doesn't want to unless you do that, but because our hearts are only ready to receive when we do that. Okay, like I said a few minutes ago, it's not if we run into troubles and temptations and trials and suffering. It's when we do that we gain from, the ex from that an experience of deeper faith and greater joy in him because we know that we know that we know that he loves us. And no circumstance, once you know that, can take that away from you. Nothing can take that away from you. And that's really, really what we need 
for our place of peace, for our place of joy, and in order to be a witness to those around us. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't abort the process. Don't reject the process. Enter into the process. Okay? And in that way, you will be complete, needing nothing. That's from James 1, verses 2 through 4, by the way. Jesus told us that the world would hate us. Why? Why did he tell us that? I can't hear you. Because it hated him. Yeah. And if we join with Christ in all of that, we are one with him. The world's going to hate us too. Does that bring us uh, suffering? It can. It can. Have you ever had somebody to betray you? Yeah, me too. Have you ever, ever had somebody to lie about you? Yeah, me too. Have you ever had somebody who, who attacked you verbally to your face as well as behind your back? Yeah, I have too. So how do we count that all joy? Because we realize that they're not just attacking us. They're attacking him and his presence within us. And that helps in a great way. There are different kinds of, of suffering. We've talked about the physical way. <coughs> Excuse me. We've talked about uh, the spiritual way just now. Okay. What about emotional? When do we suffer emotionally? When do we suffer emotionally? What about a broken relationship? Okay. What about... Lord, I realize that what I've done is just so wrong, and I am so sorry. I am so sorry. That brings us emotional pain and suffering. It also brings us spiritual pain and suffering. And I don't know about you, but I've had times when I was so broken in that brokenness that it caused me physical pain. And that's not a bad thing. It's not pleasant, but it's not a bad thing. Why? because I have become weak enough that I have to cry out to him, and then he can be strong, okay? Some of the pain we feel with come from things that have happened to us through somebody else's sin. Is that suffering? It can be. What about the consequences of our own? That can also be suffering. And the longing that comes from our physical separation from a loved one. Have you ever thought about that physical longing to be closer to Jesus? I've had that longing be so deep that it brought me tears. But I rejoiced in the tears because it gave me motivation to do what he was calling me to do, which is come closer. Okay. Suffering for the gospel. John, I think you got a good, good uh, experience with that this, this past week, right? Okay. Do all of you know what happened? Yeah, yeah, you, you had a little run-in with the dog, but you actually were stepping in to help somebody else who was being attacked by a dog, and the dog turned on you. Did you ever lose your joy? No, I was so blessed to see your face in the midst of that, knowing that you were in pain, knowing that you were concerned about the other lady, right? 
but I was so blessed to see the smile on your face and you assured us that you were okay and that everything was going to be okay. But to see the joy radiating from you blessed my heart. And as I understand it, it, it blessed some other people's hearts too, right? Yeah, and the, the lady who was also attacked, you said that was a marker of change for her, which was really, really good. It brought her deeper, closer to Jesus, right? And what was the result of that? You said you had, what, four who came to Jesus as, as you went and witnessed the next day to people around you. Four who came into our family. You see, we often think that suffering is all about us. But sometimes the suffering is about those around us too. So that you can give hope to people who are around you. Can you give away hope that you don't have? No. So that's another part. That's another component of that. Okay. You can't give away what you don't have, can you? That's right. So... Um, that draws us closer to Jesus. The result is that we grow in our faith in the process and it gives glory to him, okay? And when his glory shines, he gives us some of that glory and we get to enter in. Jesus told his disciples he would have to suffer greatly, but that his suffering was not in vain. It was not useless. He knew what manner of death he would die. And I love that, that that's come up in, in Jason's word before we took communion. In both of John's words, in the music that we sang, it told us that story. And that's why, what I meant by Holy Spirit sneaky. Okay? He's got a theme going. Okay? He knew that the only way to endure that kind of suffering would re require that he be completely totally, 100% submitted to and surrendered to his Father's will. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 26, 36 through 44. This is the Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's also found in great detail in Mark and Luke. It's referred to in John, but not in the, in the depths of this. Okay, it's a story that you're all familiar with, and it'll take me just a minute to read it, but bear with me. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Does that sound like suffering? Did you ever think about the suffering he went through the night before he went through that horrible suffering? Stay here and keep watch with me. He, just one simple request. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Okay, did you see the pattern in that? He was suffering, 
So what did he do? He prayed, but what did he pray? Father, if you can, this is his request, if you can, take this cup of suffering away from me. Is that not a beautiful example of submission? Did you ever see it as submission? I didn't until the other day, and I've read this passage for a long time. That was total submission. And, and I have often thought of that in the second part of that. Not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Okay, but that actually was surrender. It was surrender. He's saying, I'm giving up my right. I want what you want more than I want what I want. And so in this beautiful, beautiful pattern, we see a way when we are faced with suffering to come to the Father in perfect unity with Jesus. And in that way, we enter into his suffering. You see, Jesus didn't come to the earth so that he could understand us, right? He created us. He created us. So, yeah, he understands me better than I understand me. And I'm really glad that he does because I don't want to serve a God that I can understand. I can't understand how he does that. I don't need to understand how he does that, but I do need to acknowledge and trust that he does understand me better than I understand myself, which is in itself an act of both submission and surrender. And so we see, we see this beautiful, beautiful pattern. Three times he went from that place where his disciples were waiting. Three times he came back and he found them sleeping. Three times he repeated this pattern of submission and surrender in the midst of his suffering, but also in preparation for his suffering. Now, I always pay attention to threes in the scripture. Threes are significant to me, okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're body, soul, and spirit, okay? There's a lot to be gained when we look for the threes in the scripture. This was a three in the scriptures I had not seen as clearly as when I was preparing for this. Now, it says that he went into that garden and, and in one of the other gospels, it says that he sweat drops of blood. Do you think he was suffering to sweat drops of blood? Do you think he was submitting that hard work of saying, here, here is what I'm facing. You take it. You take it. And that submission, he was submitting himself to the point that he was sweating blood. Okay? But here's an aspect of his suffering in the garden that you may not have thought about. He knew that while he was on that cross, taking on your sin, taking on my sin, taking on the weight of every betrayal, of every lie, of every moment of suffering that had ever been before or that would be in the future because he's outside of time. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows whether we're with him now, even though we're still living in this life. He knows that, and he loves that, and that was part of the joy. But he also knew that while he had that burden of sin on him, that crushing, crushing weight of sin and guilt and shame, that the Father would not be able to look at him. 
okay? Because if he continued to look at him, it would be done. It would be over. It would be broken, okay? That's the only time in all of eternity, past, present, or future, that father and son were separated by anything. Can you imagine the weight of that? The weight of that. And yet, Donna, he did this willingly for your sake. Does that not? That's, that stirs me. That stirs me. And like Jason, it brings me to tears to think he would be willing not just to take on what I bring him, but what we all bring him. And yet the joy, the joy of seeing me come past that, of seeing me come into relationship with him, close relationship, closer than that of a brother. That's what kept him going in the way that he was going. Okay? He had taken on all the evil, all the guilt, all the shame, all the sin. He was able to suffer through that, he says in Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him. He did this through knowing where he had come from and where he was going to. So let's go to John 13, 3 through 5. This is the pattern I believe he set for us so that when we go through the things that we need to go through, things which, by the way, purify us, solidify our trust and our faith and our hope in him. So, see, suffering is not without purpose. It's all filtered through his hand. He doesn't bring us the suffering because he wants us to hurt. He doesn't bring us the suffering so that he can beat us into submission. Okay? But he brings us an opportunity to either step closer to him or to back away from him. So Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And this was just before the Last Supper. And that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe. This is the king of kings we're talking about. Took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into, his ba into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. That was, in their culture, in their time, the dirtiest job you could do. Why? Because most of them wore sandals or walked barefoot. I've walked in some of those places where the animals have been, where people have been, through the dust, through the dirt, through you name it. Okay, your feet get dirty. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying uh, their feet with the towel that was around him. He was able, knowing who his true identity is and always will be, to voluntarily surrender his place of dignity, if you will, to wash the feet of the people who were there with him. Okay? And in that way, he was glorified right? In that way, he showed us what we must do. We must know who we are in Jesus Christ. We must know where we are going to in Jesus Christ. That's what gives us the strength to lay aside our will and submit and surrender to his will. Does that give you some hope? Yeah. So you see, we have a unique place in all of history. Anytime we are brought to a place where we must suffer through something, 
that opportunity is given to us again. We can either follow that pattern to prepare us. We can take the medicine that our doctor has prescribed, okay, because this is what it is. It's a prescription for life. And we can follow that pattern to prepare us for what is to come, knowing that when we do, he will walk through that with us, or we can refuse it and walk through it alone. Which way is better? Which way is better? With him, absolutely. When we choose to walk through with his help, we can better understand a small part of his suffering in that process. Scripture calls us to comfort others with the comfort that we've been given. This is one of the ways we do that. When you see somebody who's really hurting and you don't know what to say, you can still offer them comfort. You do that through acknowledging what they're going through, then giving them the comfort, and then walking with them through it. Because there's strength in unity, there's strength in family, there's strength when we have somebody who will walk beside us as we go through what it is that we're going through. In other words, we have an opportunity to become more like Jesus than we had before. He came to the world not so that we could, he could understand us, as I said before, but so that we could understand him better and his great love for us. Through submission to the Father's will, his surrender to what needed to happen in order to make a way for us to return to close relationship with the Father. His suffering on the cross in order to atone for the sin we're not able to atone for. We get to come to know how precious this gift is truly is and we can then reflect his love and glory all the more as we do so for those of you who don't know me uh, as well as some of the others for some of you this will be a repeat and I apologize for the repeat but I actually love telling the story about 10 years ago uh, in a period of 18 months okay uh, I walked through some very difficult times. My father was diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer. He passed away a few months after, or actually 29 days after that, very, very close to that. Four months after that, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of breast cancer. Okay, and that began a series of surgeries and chemotherapy and, and IV antibiotics that, that were pretty rough. Okay, as I have finished my chemotherapy treatments. My mother was diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer and passed away six weeks later. Okay, kind of a rough time, okay? But I remember and will clearly remember as long as I live the day that one of my dearest friends had to call me and tell me that I had cancer. One of my dearest friends who was also um, my principal physician Okay, she's a nurse practitioner, but she, she gave me my, treat, my uh, primary care, okay? And so I was overwhelmed unexpectedly by a compassion for my friend who had to tell me that I had cancer. And I thought, this is kind of strange, but in an instant, in an instant, the Holy Spirit yanked a, a prayer out of my heart, my very being. Lord, no matter what, I will praise you. And out of Don's lips came, your praise will ever be on our lips. 
And I was infused with so much joy that there was no chance for the fear to come in. Now, I'm not going to say I walked through that season with no fear. There was fear. There's always fear. But I chose every time the fear rose up to remember that joy. And I walked through it with more joy than I knew was possible. And that joy that I walked through it with showed others that that joy is possible even in the midst of suffering. And so I didn't receive the glory. I didn't want the glory, but he did. And so I can say with, with a pure heart and no motives that I'm glad that I walked through that. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I'd be crazy to, to want it. But I wouldn't give it up because of the joy that he put in my heart. Do you know that your brains, have, it's been shown through neuroscience, your brains are wired to run on joy? You have a joy side you have a fear side, okay? The joy side works about six times a second. There's a thought process that goes through your brain that you're not even conscious of, okay? Where am I? What time is it? Uh, who am I? Uh, is this place safe? Are there people around me who can relate to me? And that fourth step is, am I among family, okay? But sometimes we don't go all the way through that process before the fear rises up, and that's the fight-or-flight syndrome that we are all familiar with. So we have a choice, okay? But when we operate out of the fear side, the slower side is five times a second. We don't see clearly. We don't understand as well. We don't understand the facts that are before us as, as much. We're wired to run with joy. Suffering is a great reminder that we can walk with joy, no matter what's going on in our lives, okay? Don has recently come to see in, in our talks back and forth, Holy Spirit gave him something I want to quote. Suffering reveals the limit of our capacity to live in joy. Think about that for a minute. Suffering reveals to us the limit of our capacity to live in joy. Do you lose your joy quickly when somebody cuts you off in the street? Do you lose your joy when they bring you that diagnosis you didn't want? Do you hang on to that joy? See, just like forgiveness, how do you know that you can forgive somebody? How do you know that when you need to? Okay? The circumstances show you that you can forgive or you can refuse to forgive, but that sets a whole different process in motion, right? It's the same with suffering. It shows you the joy capacity within your heart. And then the sweet, sweet thing about our Savior Jesus is he can expand that capacity. He can expand it. So, if you need more joy, what do you have to do? I submit to you, I need more joy. But I can't do this alone, so I'm surrendering my heart to you. Come and fill me again with your joy. Okay? 
you can find out quickly when you're faced with these kind of circumstances. Okay? And we can return to joy. We can return to hope. But again, it's going to take a choice. And it's going to take your surrender. Okay? I believe that's what this whole service has been about today. How many of you want more joy? Yeah. How are you going to get it? Are you willing to go through whatever it is you need to go through to get more joy? That's a tough question, but I want you to ask yourself, are you willing to go through what you need to to get more joy? It could be simple. It may not be, though, because you're, you're submitting, you're surrendering to the Father's will. Okay? But you can have it. You can have it. You can ask him for it. You can hold on to the fact that he understands your pain, that he's not going to let go of you, that he's going to walk with you through it, and that he will use your pain to further his kingdom. How good is that? Okay? So you see, one of the, the, the main problems when we're suffering is that we tend to lose our hope. We think there's no purpose in it. Uh, what good could possibly come from it? And we tell ourselves all the scriptures that we know. You know, he works together all things for good for those who love the Lord and called according to his good purpose. But how in the world is he going to use this? Well, as you've watched him use this to deepen your joy, to walk you through the things you didn't think you were capable of walking through, then the next time you are faced with something hard, you're going to remember that last time, and it's going to build on the joy that was already there. And the next time it's going to build on the joy that was already there. And the next time it's, going to, it's building your testimony. Okay? It's building your message. There's no message without a mess. Right? The message of your life includes your entire life. And whether you want to or not, you're preaching that message. Okay? So when you find somebody else in a mess, you can share your message. And that gives us all hope. That gives us all joy. That gives us all family. That draws us closer to him. So how quickly do you run out of joy? When the hurt is minor, what do you focus on? Do you focus on the hurt or do you focus on Jesus? We sang about focusing, looking at Jesus and all that he went through. When the hurt is major, do you focus on the hurt or do you focus on Jesus? Do you want more joy? Focus on Jesus. Okay? So I would invite you, I would invite you, if you're in a difficult place and you want somebody to pray with you, and I strongly encourage if you need prayer, you got family around you. Come and let us be your family. Don't short us a blessing because you're embarrassed by where you find yourself. You don't have to tell us where you find yourself. Just come and say, come and pray with me. Okay? I invite you to come up. If you just want more joy, come up and let us pray with you. If you want more hope, if you need more trust, it's all here. It's at his feet. There's nothing magical about any of us. We're not the healer, but we know the healer, and we know 
how to take you to him. So let's take a few minutes and see what is it that you need. Amen. So we're going to take a moment to allow the Lord to reveal our hearts. Uh, we're going to worship. And if you want to come up and receive prayer, the altar is open. Here's the thing is you can either allow God to refine you through process, through godly suffering, and it hurts, but then there's something good on the other side. It's, it's the gold that's refined by fire. Or you can ignore it, and it'll just destroy you from the inside out. Right? So it's, it's really a choice. It, it's... It's pain either way, but one pain leads to glory. The other pain leads to your end. So you get to choose. So uh, if you'd like to receive prayer today, just come, up, come forward. We're going to worship the Lord.